What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita, for our first baseball episode of the baseball season since we finished our preview series just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we have a fantastic guest joining us today, and we're going to talk a little bit about the first couple weeks of the season. We're about two and a half weeks into the season. Um, some interesting stuff from around the league. We're going to talk about that. Um, if you guys like today's episode of the Jack Vita Show, make sure you subscribe wherever it is that you get your podcasts and log on to my website, jackvita.com. Well, I don't want to waste any more time. We have a great guest, someone who I've been wanting to get on here for a while. <laughs> yeah. We're finally able to make it happen. <laughs> and um, she absolutely loves baseball. That's the best place to start with her. She played softball at the Division One level at Cornell. She was a star. She's in their Cornell Athletics Hall of Fame. She now is doing stuff over at the Marquee Network, covering the Cubs as a host, an analyst, and a sideline reporter. She also fulfills the same roles at Big Ten Network. And, of course, she's a fellow Trevian. Uh, we went to the same high school. Elise Mediker, welcome to the show. Hey, Great to have Jack. you. Here. Great to see you. Glad we could finally make this work. You got you nailed all of it. That I love baseball, all the background stuff. Yep, Nutri alum, you got it. <laughs> this is how we connected at first. We brought yeah. the spirit thing. I was like, no way. Your sister, she played softball there. So yeah, all fun, yeah. small world stuff. Yeah, my sister was a three-year varsity player, but okay. you were four, right? I was four, but believe it or not, my freshman year, I played at every level. So we had freshman, sophomore, JV, varsity. So I started on freshman. I went to sophomore. Oh, interesting. Finish up on varsity. Yeah. So I did I did make varsity as a freshman, but it was, yeah, it was kind of a unique situation with how it went. But it was actually really fun. I got to know all the coaches that way. A lot of the players, obviously, like at the high school, like at Nutrier, uh, so made a lot of friends. And um, it was fun, too, because at that point we were so what you're playing for the sectional and all of that stuff. So that was my first experience kind of trying to do all of that at the high school level. And for those who don't know Nutrier, who are listening on the wavelengths across the nation to the Jack Vita show, uh, Nutrier Township High School, the high school we attended, is a very prestigious school in the Chicagoland area. Uh, actually, when you were at Nutrier, Nutrier was ranked the number 12 or number 13 best sports high school in Sports Illustrated. You probably remember that. Yeah, it's always very well known, Nutrier, for not just being high athletically, but high academically and challenging its students in every capacity, really. And and I always think of Nutrier as just very large. So if you're wondering, it's it's probably even more now, but when we kind of went through, it was always around that 4,000 mark. So every class was around 1,000. Um, and that's kind of what made it really competitive is you had so many students who always uh, strive to be the best. I mean, isn't that how you would describe it? That's kind of where I think my competitive nature came from. Yes, playing sports growing up, but um, Nutrier kind of always pushed you to the limits to try to, it was, um, you know, you're always, I remember I took AP classes my senior year and you try to do all those and you're playing sports and you're trying to do it all there. And that was very common there, which I actually don't know how common it is at other high schools, but at Nutrier at least, perhaps it's common at a lot of high schools like that, but that's just all we knew for Nutrier. Well, and also Elise, Mean Girls came out when you were in high school too. Yeah. We always say that it was based off of, they say <laughs> Evanston, they say Nutrier. I think there's probably a little bit of both in there. You hear about, like they mentioned Old Orchard, which now it's West. Yeah. Mall, but 
Simon Orchard, the Pancake House, the original Pancake <laughs> you mentioned there. I think we don't do prom kings and queens and all that. And I'm sure people are always very surprised to hear that. But we do have prom. And uh, in the movie, the prom king and queen, didn't they get gift cards, they said, to like the original Pancake House? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of fun things they threw in there. But yeah, that's kind of the the not as, um, you know, positive life. If, if you say that about our school, that, cause you know, it's kind of a lot in that movie that would suggest it's very clicky and stuff, but there are a lot of people. And I always say, because there's a lot of people, you could always find your group of friends. And I definitely think that was the case there. Yeah. I, I actually really enjoyed Nutrier. I mentioned yeah. to you before we came on here, I went to a small private Christian school, Christian Edge Academy before I got to Nutrier. And I feel like I got a very full experience cause I knew I know what it's like to be at a small Christian school with sure. only 40 kids in your class. And mm -hmm. then Nutria, where there are 4,000 kids at the whole school. And what I really appreciate about Nutria was actually some of that clickiness of the, you could escape people you wanted to escape. If there are people that gave you a hard time, there's a big school, you could avoid those people. And if there are, there are so many options of groups of people that you could hang out with. And I know some people, maybe their experience is a little different. They have a harder time finding that group. But once you find that group, I think you can have a really fun time. Yeah, always growing up, especially high school, it's that really fragile age for a lot of people. And so I think definitely, um, no matter where you go to school, you, it, high school can vary for everyone. But I definitely think what you're saying um, could be the case for a lot of the students. I enjoyed Nutrier. Um, I, I love you know, everyone's different. I love being around people and I love meeting people. So for that reason, Nutria kind of allows you to do that in a lot of different situations. So that's what I always appreciate about it. It gives you a lot of opportunities to do a lot of different things. Um, so I, you know, I was part of the radio station at Nutria WNTH. My sister got me into it because she was program director. So I kind of, she was, she's my older sister. So I, sometimes I'd kind of, you know, follow in her footsteps. And this is one area I did that. So I had a show with my friends, like on the weekends or something. It was just something I was doing for fun. So Nutria kind of encouraged you to try to, you know, try a lot of different things there. And because they had so many different outlets like that, um, which now maybe it's, it's more common to have like radio station. At the time, having things like that wasn't as, common. So it was no. kind of cool to, to do that. Uh, but yeah, so I, I've enjoyed it. It's, um, you know, our own little bubble there, if you will, <laughs> that kind of embrace. And um, yeah, I always say too, that because it is so challenging, because I find Nutrients, I found it difficult because when you are trying so many different things, you don't have a lot of time to do a lot. So then when I went to college, I actually found that it was an easier transition for me because of how much you're pushed uh, at that level at Nutria. So that, that that was another positive that I took away from the experience. You heard that going through it, that you that you in the moment, you sometimes weren't even realizing how they were preparing you for what's ahead. And then when you went to college, you're like, oh, I see it now. Yeah, both colleges that I attended were smaller than Nutria. That's, so, yes, that's also can happen. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think Nutria prepared me pretty well for college. Yeah. So, and sometimes that's a nice thing too, right? You got the experience of like a big high school and then a little bit of both, but maybe sometimes and because a lot of people go to colleges that are bigger than their high school, but you kind of got both. And I know people like smaller colleges too, for that reason, because it's more intimate. You can get to know people. It's not as you know massive as universities can be. Now, Elise, was the Wilmette Beacon around? Uh, well, you it was the Wilmette that? Life. 
Okay, Wilmette, Wilmette Life. Yes. Uh, I did an internship with all those papers. Wilmette Beacon. Cool. And the Beacon was around too? So were they separate? Is that? Yeah. That, okay, yeah. in my head maybe. So yeah, because the Beacon sounds very familiar. So I think oh, that's around. Yeah. I did that 10 questions section where you ask the athlete of the week the 10 questions. So I'm going to give okay. you my favorite question. Oh, wow. Okay. Favorite North Shore local food spot. Oh, wow. It has to be, um, I was going to say Irving's, but I'm thinking in my head of Homer's. So maybe I'm thinking, you know, I go get the hot dog. <laughs> fries at Irving's are unreal. And I'm not even like a huge cheese fries person, but there it's just like this different cheese. They use. Yeah. And uh, Homer's obviously for their homemade ice cream. So can't go wrong there. At Homer's, I used to get their chicken fingers. That was a really good, but their mustard sauce. I'm getting way too detailed, but these are the <laughs> memories I have. You asked, so yep. <laughs> you got it. Those would be, I guess I gave you two, but yeah, one for good. dinner and dessert. I love the cheese fries at Irving's. Those are so good, good right? Yeah, I really don't get them anywhere else, but there is. I was like, what? These are amazing. My brother <laughs> loved them too. He got me on them. So, <laughs> awesome. <him>. So, <laughs> Elise, you go over to Cornell, and you had a great career over there. And I'm curious, because you also had mentioned when we were emailing, getting this set up over the last several months, yeah. I was saying we could talk some college basketball, we could talk college football, and you're like, baseball. I love it's got to be baseball. Baseball yeah. is your love. What ignited your love for baseball? And I'm also curious, did you ever play baseball with the boys growing up before you so, played softball? It's funny that I did not, but I know why you asked, probably because since when you're so passionate about it, it must be there somewhere. But it was really with the boys I played with my dad, my dad and my brother. Um, so I never played, I always played softball. So I never played baseball with the boys, but probably it's ingrained in me because my dad played baseball growing up and professionally played single A for the Orioles. He played in college, like all of that stuff. And so we kind of, when I say we, I think of my brother and I, my sister was into sports, just not as much as my brother and I. So typically it was the three of us kind of going out playing catch. My dad, you know, growing up teaching us how to throw a curve. Um, I would go take batting practice with my brother and dad. And that that's actually where I would hit baseball. So I think one time in an interview, someone asked me and I, I thought it was softballs. My brother was like, dad threw you baseballs. I was like, you're right. I don't know why I said, so he did throw baseballs. Um, and I didn't mind. Uh, I always thought too, um, baseball is smaller. So as I was training my hand-eye coordination, I didn't think there was ever any harm um, in hitting a baseball in that sense. So, it, and it was also for fun. You know, I've never really been someone who's taken the sport uh, too seriously. It, it's hard enough that I've always tried to approach it um, and have fun with it. And that's kind of where the love comes from. Because then as I, you know, continue to play like at Nutrier and then at Cornell, and I played a professional season overseas in Sweden, um, really what, what kept me going back because at Nutrier, I also played tennis and we won a state championship my junior year. I was top 16 in doubles my senior year. And it was a big part of my life growing up tennis. I started playing tennis before I started playing softball. Um, but what kept me going back to softball were the people. I loved my friends in softball. I had more fun. Tennis can be really high stress because I played singles and I mentioned I did play doubles, but most of the time I was playing singles and look, it's hard. And I actually attribute a lot of my success to softball for what I experienced on the tennis court because the mental side of tennis was so much more challenging to me that when I was in 
clutch situations or critical situations in softball, I felt I was able to manage them because they didn't seem as high stress or as hard as it was on the tennis court when you're kind of alone. So that's why I always told myself, and I even tell young athletes this today, that the minute you stop having fun with a sport, then maybe it's just time, you know, to, to find something else or to just figure something else out. Because to me, that's number one about sports, have fun with it. Because that's always when you're going to have success um, and that'll kind of drive you. So that's just kind of where the passion come from, comes from growing up playing, uh, it being in my family. There's just something about the sport that I love. I love the leisurely aspect to it. I love that it takes time. I love um, the pace of it. I when you want to talk, yes, I believe that baseball games can be quicker and, and they would be equally effective, but it's that history to it even that comes with that. Um, so there's just something about the game. I don't know. It's just kind of in me. Um, and maybe it goes even back, like I was saying, to childhood, but that's that's kind of where it comes from. It's just, it's always been a part of who I am. I thought I could let it go at one point when I was looking at jobs. You know, you start looking that direction <laughs> as you go through college. That's at least when I figured out what I wanted to do. And I, I went right back to sports. I was trying other things and um, I went right back to what I loved. Well, the reason I asked the question is I'm sure your brother played at yes. Romer Park. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. There. yeah. In the back parking lot you pull into, like <laughs> you wouldn't even know a baseball field is back there. Yes. Yeah. And there's always like maybe once a year, someone gets their windshield shattered by yeah. a home run. You park wisely at the parks. Yes. <laughs> actually loves yogurt. That's another good local spot because that's near Romer Park. Oh, yeah. I like actually that. don't think I've been there, but I've seen oh, it. Oh, yeah. That's it. I don't know if it's there anymore, but there's like one or two other locations somewhere um, out in the suburbs. But that was another good manicure spot right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's always there's always like a couple of girls in the house league. And so I was wondering if you were one of, of those. Course. girls. Yeah, I yeah. love girls play baseball. Whatever way girls can get involved in baseball or softball it just makes me happy because they are very similar. Um, it's fun to see girls playing with the boys at a young age. But I also think softball can be really fun, too. So as long as I just love seeing people involved in it, it kind of that's just what makes me happy. So, yeah, and I've, I've gone back um, some summers, a couple of them I coached at Nutrier. So that was fun, too. It was kind of nostalgic. I was like, I can't even believe I'm back at this field. Like, nothing's changed. It was, it was great. It was fun. Um, coach Cadwell at the time, like he, you know, he was my coach. I went back and helped him in the summer. So, yeah, there's just a lot of memories there at Nutrier. Well, you mentioned making baseball something that even more girls can get involved in. And I think that's something that you're doing right now with your career. It's Thanks. very cool because for those who don't know, Elise does some sideline reporting. She also does analysis, though. She's called some games last year. She was the she you called every single game of the Iowa Cubs that was on TV, right? Right, exactly. So we started the commentary. Mm -hmm. So the, the games that we aired for the Iowa Cubs, um, they started, I think, around June. Um, that aired on Marquee Sports Network. Um, and I was partnered who he calls them in Iowa, Alex Cohen. He calls every game there on the radio. So then he, we would hop on for TV together. He's fantastic. He was such a great partner to me. And um, I look forward to hopefully doing more with him this season. And um, just that he he really made it a, a nice transition made it really when i say fun he makes it really fun yeah so he's he's yeah. around the team so much that he would help me a lot too when i would have questions if i was following the team but wanted to know something more specific he always you know would help me out there so uh that that's a really great opportunity and it was fun because i got to first look at a lot of the players who we saw later in the season yeah. up 
with the big league team. And that's, that's equally, you know, going on right now too. We'll see those guys like a Brennan Davis um, soon. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. I so feel this like it's fun a lot on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a really a newer thing to see women in this lead broadcast role. And I know you called some games at spring training this year. You also made history on the second ever all women broadcast that was on YouTube last year with Melanie Newman and a lot of Rizzo. Um, and I feel like when I, when I listen to you on those games, I'm always learning stuff. Like oh, I, I know a lot about baseball, but you know a lot about the hitting mechanics. You're talking <laughs> a lot about the mechanics. A lot of it's softball there with the hitting mechanics too, right? Yeah, it, it, it's so funny because I can't hide it. I love hitting. I love talking hitting. I love learning about hitting. I love learning about baseball. Um, and so that's just probably like the player in me too coming out it's like that combination of reporter analyst player uh just coming together in my job but no doubt like i loved hitting uh growing up and then in college i i really felt like i fine-tuned that skill without really even knowing it i think it's actually only been through my job that i've started to realize what i learned in college and i've taken what i've learned and that's what you're kind of hearing in broadcast combined with what i you know get today from players and coaches managers whatever it may be but i think going through college i just kind of was was trying to perform to the best of my ability and to push myself and to improve my game constantly and at the time, I didn't really think anything of that, except that's just what you do as an athlete. And then kind of as I draw on my experiences now, and as I'm asked about things, or as I try, or as I watch baseball and I see situations, I'm drawing on what I would do or what I did in those situations, whatever it may be. Um, it's funny because I never really, after playing, I never really thought about it as much as I do now, I started my career as a news reporter. I always wanted to go into sports. I just couldn't find a job. So in order to start in the broadcast industry, I started out in local TV as a news reporter and eventually was able to get into sports. Um, but that's why I think it's funny how um, I never really thought about it until I started to talk about it more and started <laughs> to you know talk baseball more and get the chance. And, and that's that's what makes me happy. So um, I, I appreciate that because I my goal as an analyst is to inform Form, uh, and entertain. So it means a lot that if I can do that, that it means that I'm doing my job. So I appreciate that. So I'm curious, did you ever think when you got that degree and you started out with news that you would get the opportunity to broadcast as a color commentator men's baseball games? When I started in local TV, all I was thinking about was I have to get to sports. So that was my focus. It was not, I have to get to sports so I can be a baseball analyst. That was too far. Like I just at first needed to accomplish like the immediate goal. So everything I did, I knew that I was gaining valuable experience when I was a news reporter because I knew it would never be wasted experience. In fact, I do not believe I would be the sports reporter I am today without my news background. But with that said, I it just my news wasn't my passion. You can I I hope at least that when I report or when I do my analysis that you can feel the passion. I hope to bring that at least to the games. And so that's why I always wanted to get into sports because I felt it was more me if you will. Um, and I thought by being myself, I would um, ha be establishing a career that would hopefully last me a long time. So um, the thought was not there, but as I transitioned into sports, 
that's when I started to kind of realize, here's what I like doing. I love covering baseball. I started covering sports when I worked in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So I was covering the Brewers. I loved going to the ballpark. We were a heavy Packers station. Uh, really enjoy covering football, but there was some, it's like my heart's in baseball. So yeah. when I go to Miller, or at the time Miller Park, um, that's when I was like, man, I, I, I could sit here all day and, and <laughs> totally fine with that. So that's kind of when I started to realize any opportunity that I could get to do baseball, that would be awesome. Well, I think it's really cool. Last thing on your career here, unless you have anything else to add, and then we can get into some of the baseball news. Baseball but <laughs> <laughs> the thing I think is really cool is that I think what you getting on these broadcasts, Jess Mendoza, I was listening to her on the Dodgers the other night and she's great. And there are a lot of other women who've gotten these opportunities. You did it with Alana and Melanie Newman. And I think what's great is I do think this makes the game more appealing to young girls. And I think there are a lot of girls who, if they didn't grow up with brothers, if their dad wasn't into baseball, they they never have, they never quite understand it. They never have a reason to be interested in it. And I know some girls, the reason I mention this is because I have some friends who maybe they started dating a baseball player and they're like, oh, wow, this sport's amazing. This is so great. And so I think for people like you to excel in the positions that you're excelling in, I do think that there's potential to bring in more of a female audience that may not have been there before. Thank you. Yeah, I I hope that that can happen. If that can be a result of my work, that's like above and beyond and something that when I do it, it's not even top of mind. But if that can be a result, that's fantastic. Because like I said, any anytime I can get, I think sports are just so great in general. Um, I think if kids can get a chance to play them or be around them or just be exposed to them, baseball is, is what I love, but whatever that may be for other people too, um, then that's, that's awesome. Cause sports taught me just so much about life. Um, so that's, I think too, that I, it's really important to me just to try to always do my best and to put in the work. I, I work really, really hard constantly at trying to improve and to, um, learn the game, especially with how it can change, um, or the changes that we've seen over the game, even in the last say like five years or so, and just kind of staying on top of all that and learning the nuances of the game, because as similar as baseball and softball are, there are differences like the pitching side of it, right? Like those are just obvious differences. And so, um, that, yeah, that's great. And it means a lot. And I hope whether it's like girls or young boys, I hope when they see, you know, um, if it's me or anyone, if, if they can be interested in it, then that's, that's amazing. Cause I hope that over time, um, that I can, can either keep people or get people interested in baseball. Cause I hope that comes out with my passion. I love to kind of bring that to people. 100%. Now, Elise, let's talk some baseball and we got maybe what, eight minutes here, seven, eight minutes. Sure. Right. Yeah, yeah. let's talk some baseball here for a little bit. Why don't we get in? You got it. All right, so we'll do what we can. Let's start with why not the Cubs? I mean, you were on hand for the whole series this past weekend. Yeah. Rain delay and all. Yesterday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 21 runs on Saturday. Right, that one too, yep. <laughs> how, how was the weekend? It was good. Like you said, a little chaotic at times with the rain delays and stuff, but we got in all the games and that's what's always important. Um, the Cubs are, are a good team with the, a lot of contact bats. So they're going to look different probably than what the team that you've been seeing over the last few years. And a lot of it has to do and that's with that's a good bats. thing. Yeah. And some people like it's a good thing. It's different. 
because you had a team a few years ago who won the World Series. I guess now it's more than a few. We're talking 2016. But um, yeah, it's change. And so it's good in that you have more contact now in this lineup. Um, there's been more swing and miss in the past. Uh, but I think too, so some would say with the contact, you can get more double play balls, some ground ball outs. So that can be a negative of it. But I think over time, and I, I agree with David Ross, who says that when you put pressure on the defense, you know, you force them to make plays, good things can happen over time when you do that. So um, you definitely have the contact. All they were missing in some of those losses to the Pirates was that one more hit. You know, they were in those games. It was just about coming through in those those key moments when you had runners on base. Uh, and that stuff, you know, can sort itself out over the course of 162. But I, I like the pieces that they have. Um, it's fun to watch. You have people uh, like, first, Seiya Suzuki is probably a name that a lot of not just Chicagoans are learning, but in baseball, um, like around the sport. And he's probably one of the more fun players, not the most fun player to watch on the yeah, team. I, of course, you guys, by the way, the viral video, you were talking to him and his uh, interpreter and the foul ball came oh, right at you guys in the dugout. Insane. Absolutely insane. We were, so, I mean, so lucky. It was inches, inches from us. Um, like if I had been a little bit to my left, it'd be a very different situation. So we just got very lucky. Uh, I, yeah, it was kind of just, it happened. We were okay. So we just kept doing the interview because in the moment it was just, you know, you're fine. And the ball didn't hit you. And then after you're like, wow, <laughs> that, that was a lot. I was, you know, glad we're okay. That was, yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. I think um, Seo is going to win rookie of the NL rookie of the month here in a few days. If that happens, then the Cubs are looking at back to back rookie of the month because Frank Schwindel finished off the year. So obviously some good building blocks there. And say, uh, I was hearing Dan O'Dowd talk about this on MLB Network on Friday. Sure. The emergence of Seiya Suzuki, if this guy's a five-tool player, if he continues what he's done here in the first month, and that really accelerates this rebuild process that the Cubs are in. Yes, I think that when you look at um the cubs he is right now the the one of the players that you know is going to be here for at least 5 years so you look at that piece and you really like that piece and when you talk about say like rookie of the month or just what he's done or when you hear like someone like adano dowd here talk or talk about him get this i was looking up his numbers before he got on cuz i just wanted i just like to not just know for myself but I knew we were going to talk about him. He has a 492 on base percentage. You know he gets on base a lot, but when you actually see it there in the numbers, you're like, what? Uh, that's crazy good. Like when if I were going to say that's insane, that's that's a good <laughs> thing. Uh, like a 354 batting average already has four home runs, uh, OPS of over 1,000, over 1,100. Um, so he's really been adjusting, I think, a lot quicker than people thought he would. Uh, there's not many at-bats where he doesn't look like he's not in it. So on the positive side, he looks like he's always in every single at-bat. Uh, and he is one of the strengths of his game at the plate, great plate discipline. So when this guy takes a ball, it's usually a ball. When he swings, it's usually a strike. Uh, there are pitches he has taken with two strikes that I don't know how he took because I know I'd be swinging as a hitter. And then I think because he's doing so well at the plate, 
A lot of the times what can be lost is how good he is defensively. He is someone who looks like a natural out there in right field. And that was known coming in. But I think given he's playing at all these different fields, he's learning outfields, um, reading the balls, even in spring training with that Arizona sky. I don't think he had any misreads. I think he got everything. He, he's a vacuum out there. He'll, he'll block, he'll catch anything that goes out there. So a good arm, um, quick. So that's another thing. I think we've seen already some plays by defenses where they've uh, misplayed. They haven't misplayed the ball, but the throw, it's been more of an errant throw because I think they look up after making fielding, say, the ground ball. They throw it away because they're realizing, say, it's pretty quick down the line. And as opponents get to know him, I think that's what they're learning is, is a big part of his game too. So that's what Dan O'Dowd's talking about with that five tool player. He really brings a lot to the game and I'll give him a six tool personality. <laughs> He's got a great personality, very funny, uh, fits in really well with that locker room, the clubhouse. And uh, that's probably one of the best things about him. He is just a very pleasant, nice, respectful person to be around. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned his low chase rate. He has one of the lowest chase rates in all of baseball. And I think what people are going to say is they haven't figured him out yet. They're going to figure sure. out some of his weak spots. But I'll tell you what, if he's not chasing, he's not going to have a significant drop off because he's showing that ability. Like you said, the plate discipline. I, I think say is legit. I think this guy's yeah. a star. Yeah, I do too. And I think to that point, um, when, and Kyle Hendricks has been asked about saying like, you know, what would that be like pitching against me? He goes, that guy's a headache when you have to pitch someone against someone like that, because, um, because of his plate discipline, but also, you know, he can cover both sides of the plate. So to your point, it's not just that what he swings at, he can connect with and what he's swinging at is usually in the zone, but he's got a, he's got great, like uh, hand to ball, bat to ball skills um, that he can go when he's swinging there, he's usually fouling it off or somehow like making contact. So he doesn't swing through a lot of pitches. So, and, and part of that, like you're saying is because he doesn't chase a lot of pitches and that's just, I think is with that plate discipline, there's going to be a lot of success there. All right, Elise, uh, let's take a look at some of the stuff that's going on around the league. Miguel Cabrera with his 3,000th hit in Colorado over the weekend. Uh, just a great way to celebrate one of the best players of the new millennium. Of course, I remember watching him in 2003 when the Marlins were uh, given our Cubs a... Uh, well, we, we won't talk about that. <laughs> We all know what happened then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, everyone's been watching Miggy, right? At this point, um, he it was so fun to see him get that hit. There's fun again, but I do love it. <laughs> um, but actually, I don't know if you saw it. I really liked he was kind of giving a toast in the clubhouse to his team after the game. Yeah, that yeah. was actually one of my favorite parts of the whole thing. I loved what he said. He was talking about just like thanking his team and saying this is such an honor. He, he You could tell it meant a lot to him to do it in front of the Detroit fans. Uh, and that was why he said, I couldn't feel my legs. You know, he was nervous because he wanted to do it at home. And, uh, and he made sure to say that, hey, like we have a good team. We can win and let's aim. Let's go to the playoffs. Like we can do that. Let's go to the postseason. So um, all around, you know, you had all the build up to it, the intentional walk, everything. 
thing and he does it in very Mickey fashion and going the opposite way. Just a really smooth, easy swing from him. Um, so I think it's great for the game. Obviously happy for him. It's not something you see a lot with what he's accomplished. And uh, yeah, it's great for baseball to get that. And meanwhile, another legend who's out there right now, Albert Pujols in his final year with the St. Louis Cardinals. I wrote a piece on my website, jackvita.com. You guys should check it out. I talk about how Albert Pujols, I make the argument, I think we should be celebrating this guy the way we did Derek Jeter eight years ago. Derek Jeter got this grand farewell, and I like that we gave it to him. I think if you're an iconic player, it's a good way to celebrate and end a career, and it also draws in some when, when Derek Jeter was on his retirement tour, one of my friends was out in Oakland and he was going to go to the A's game the next day, but he had a free day in Oakland and he said, this is the last time that Derek Jeter is going to play against the Oakland A's. And he jumped on the BART, went over to the game, and I don't think he would have done that if they were treating him the way that Pujols kind of right now, there's still time, maybe Pujols will get the big send off later. But that made this interest in people to want to go see Derek Jeter one last time, to send him off. And I think we should be doing that with Albert Pujols, who, by the way, has a batting average right around 290, 300, and two home runs already with the Cardinals this year. Yeah, I read you wrote the piece on it, and I read that. And um, you know what I was thinking as I was reading it, too? What I just appreciate, what I the minute that the Cardinals signed him again, that just kind of made me happy. That to me was almost like, oh, he'll get his farewell. He'll get the right send off joining the Cardinals again. So for me, um, that's kind of, you know, even with some teammates, some former teammates of him, a couple of them that he played with. So, um, yeah, I think that to me was like the nostalgia that uh, it's – that you always have as a Cubs fan, you know, Cubs fans are like, Oh no, not Pujols again. But there's, there's some um, endearment to that, you know, that there's this big rivalry, of course, always with the Cardinals, but just specifically with Pujols. And even uh, when you look ahead at the Cubs schedule, looking at the times that like you're saying how your friend had that moment of this is the last time that I'll get to see Jeter. You know, these are the last times that you'll get to see Pujols in this Cubs Cardinals rivalry. And so that I think uh, at least from this end of it as someone, that's kind of how, you know, you grew up with Pujols and, and how you watched him. Um, there's kind of that full circle, if you will, moment to it. Elsewhere, the New York Mets are really, I'd say they're probably the biggest I want to give them credit, I would say, because I am surprised. Typically, the Mets, we have this segment, we say it each year, will the Mets met? And the Mets are not metting right now. They're redefining what it means to be a New York Met. They are tied with the Dodgers for the best record in the National League right now at 12-5. and five. And really, they're building a nice little lead. The next closest team in the NL East is the Miami Marlins, and they're below 500. They have a four-game lead. I think... The, what I've noticed so far is this Mets team, what looks different to about them to me is Buck Walter and the team chemistry. The team chemistry just seems to be there. A lot of times they've done this where they picked up players from around the league, which they even did this offseason, mm -hmm. but they bring in a guy like a Max Scherzer who's an awesome clubhouse guy. They look like a team that wants to win for one another, and I'm, I can't believe I'm saying it. I know it's early but I am buying into the Mets. I think they're legit. 
Oh, yeah. I think when you look at the pieces, um, I was uh, reading things on The Athletic and I think in the their power rankings, they're two right behind the Dodgers. And those are two teams that have spent a lot of money to put a lot of good players on their rosters. And um, I think that I'm, I like how you brought the chemistry point, because I think that whenever I look at a championship team, I always this is even when I do softball, whatever I look at, I call it like the intangible or the X factor. And that's kind of the chemistry factor, because it's not always the most talented team that you play on that wins. It's usually a team that you hear guys say or girls say when they're on teams that oh, we just got along. We just clicked. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so um, I think that that's a good observation. I think also it just helps when you have a lot of good players. I mean, <laughs> you have a good rotation uh, and you're not e- and you're missing, you could say, the best pitcher uh, in that rotation. But a good lineup, you have the power bats, you can get the contact. Um, and so, yeah, it's, a, it's another when you look at the Dodgers, you say really tough lineup. And I think you could say the same thing uh, about the Mets and they're playing like it, too. So, yeah, no doubt. Um that they're starting off well. And I think this is a team that has, uh, you know, postseason goals for sure with the way they constructed this lineup. Yeah. The other big surprise is the Colorado Rockies. They're 10 yeah. and five. And yeah, yeah, they're pitching. If they're pitching, that's a question. If it can hold up, I think they're going to be in the mix too, but that's a, obviously a, a bit of an if because that their pitching has not held up over the last couple of years. Sure. And it's tough always in Colorado, but um, I think that's kind of the part when you look at them early on, that's at least what sticks out to me. And when I uh, was out out at spring training, I was looking at um, their team and like the construction of it. And that's actually what stuck out to me. That's why I just immediately said they're pitching the rotation because that's said, hey, you know, and they pick up Chris Bryant. um, So you had him in the lineup and you know that he's a steady piece there for a while. So, um, yeah, they've got some good pieces. And for those who missed it, the ugly scene from the weekend, Yankees and the Guardians at Yankee Stadium. Uh, weird situation where Quan gets injured, their outfielder, and fans were cheering. So then the other outfielders, uh, Oscar Mercado and Miles Straw, went over and said something to the fans in left field. And it, it got ugly. There were some gestures made towards the players that were inappropriate. And then after the game ended, it seemed like that was over. Quan has to exit the game. The He ran into the wall trying to make a catch. And then after the game, the Yankees walk it off. Nice base hit from Glaber Torres. Yankees won and the game. They yeah. won the game. And right as the game ends, fans just start chucking beers at Mercado. Mm-hmm. It, unacceptable behavior all around. I think there were about 20 or 30 that were just thrown onto the field. There's a scene, the John Boy breakdown, he did a really good job with that. Pointed out how there was a young girl who was being shielded from her dad. Wow. That is something we it's it's something that we can't have at the ballpark. It's it's supposed to be fun. And I don't know what brings out this kind of thing in people, but you shouldn't throw anything at athletes. It kind of reminds me a little bit, at least, of the social media culture where people want to take a jab at somebody they'll say whatever they want to when they can hide behind a screen and they're protected they can throw whatever they want they shouldn't be able to but if they met that player on the street i don't think they're gonna try to start anything i you know there's no place for it in any sport you hate to see it in baseball very uh unfortunate strange situation kind of as you describe because the yankees won the game uh you think it's over and then it there's kind of this you know and then you even had uh miles straw like climb up uh the outfield the fencing almost if you will but when you could kind of 
latch on. He d there was never any contact uh, besides the beer cans that were thrown. You know, there was never any um, contact in that sense. But uh, it's it's not what you want to see, and it's not good for the game. And you hope that you mentioned like the. Um, that culture almost that you feel is kind of being created. And the, the hope would be that, you know, there's consequences for these actions that they find these people and that they can't go back to, to games. And because it's just so unacceptable, um, you know, you heard the guardians comments like after the game, of course, how they felt. And I think, you know, there's, there's a line where if you want to, as they say, chirp, if you want to say whatever you want to say, there's that. Um, but it's another thing to get physical with whatever that may be, beer cans, whatever you're throwing, that's uh, totally crossing the line and uncalled for. I finally found the topic that you didn't say something was fun. Yeah, that's no, that's, there we go. That's not, <laughs> that is not fun. That is not a word that you will hear in that topic. That's for sure. Well, Elise, hopefully you had fun here on the Jack Vita I show. Did. Thanks, Jack, for having me. Thanks for your patience, too, as we sorted <laughs> all this out and got it together. And here we are. Here we are. So I want you to plug your social media handle or anything oh. else that you're working on that you'd like people to check out before we go. So it's pretty easy. Um, I Unintentional when I created it all, because who knew this was the social media world now that we, <laughs> we live in. When I created it, it my name. So you can find me on Instagram or Twitter, just Elise Meneker. Um, and yeah, if you want, give me a follow. And other than that, that's all I got. Check me all out right. on the Network, Marquee Sports Network. But yeah, doing baseball and softball. All right, folks, that does it today for my conversation with Elise Meneker, the Marquee Network. Hope you guys enjoyed it. She was a real treat. You can tell the passion she has for baseball. And uh, hopefully we'll have her on again sometime. I really enjoyed chatting with her. She had a short amount of time, but the time just flew by. We were having fun uh, talking New Trier, talking some softball, some baseball, some Cubs. So hopefully you guys enjoy the episode and you can follow her at Elise Meneker on Twitter. You can follow me at Jack Vita Show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Log on to my website, jackvita.com and subscribe to the Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Wherever it is that you get your podcasts, we're going to have some more great content coming out soon. Uh, there's a former MLB player, Mike Huff, Michael Huff. He's uh, currently doing some stuff with the White Sox. We'll be having him on soon. There's some other great guests that I'm excited to chat with. So again, make sure you guys are all subscribed. And until then, I'm Jack Vita, bringing the dancing lobsters. <laughs>